Good morning. Today, Mr. Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Kuf Tet Zayin in Maseches Yivamos. This will and um, this will be the last one that we'll be doing live because next week we'll be back same day Erev Shabbos Daf Beis of Kesubis. Okay, ten lines up from the bottom of Kuf Tet Vavam Beis, the mistaken identity. Amar Bayim, you know I mean Allah. Am I cons- why am I concerned about two Yitzchaks? Right? There was a machlokas uh, between Rava and Abaye. Are you concerned about two Yitzchaks or not? <laughs> if there's two guys in the same town, this particular guy was Yitzchak Reish Galusa. I left off, people probably didn't get that far, um, with the story of my mother's rabbi, Rabbi Meir Soloveitchik. He was at like the APAC convention and he was meeting different senators and he introduced himself as Mayor Soloveitchik and he said, Are you, you're the mayor of what city? And he said, it happens to be my first name and that's also the first time in my life that somebody was more impressed with my first name than my last name. <laughs> um, but that reason that's very relevant is because this was Yitzchak Reish Galusa, but Reish Galusa, had he been the actual Reish Galusa, there's only one right, leader of the Reish Galusa. That was, happened to have been his name, okay. Anyway, right, we're, we're, we're over here in the case where you're talking about, when you're talking about identifying whether somebody died with an Eid Echad, right? Whether, whether it's a husband or it's an Eid Echad or, or a wife. And then the question is, once you already have the information about that person and you say this person certainly died, well, what if it's a person, a different person with the same name? That's how we got here. Okay, so now. So they found a certain get in the Masa. And it says, in the get, right? Because as it does, it says the location. It says, next to the city of Kalonia. I, Adronai of Narda. Patris Usarkis has plenty Sintasi. I have released and divorced so and so my wife. And, right, Avur went and he brought it for Yudan Nasi. So it's an amazing thing. He says, go check out the entire city of Narada in order to make sure that there's another, right, there's not another Andrulunai in order to make this get valid. So that seems to imply that we can't take the chance of there being another Yitzchak, right? Maybe there's two Andrulunais of Narada next to Colonia. Just like when I was growing up, there's two David Schwartzes from West Orange, great guys. Brilliant guys. So, Virava Amar, Im Rabbi said, wait a minute. If that's really a concern, then why are you limiting this exercise to just Naharda? Why do you just search Naharda? This get could have come from anywhere. Should have checked the entire world. And he says a fascinating thing. Rava and Abaye are arguing over this, right? Rava is not as concerned about there being uh, mistaken identity. And Abaye is showing this story to show that, in fact, Yehuda Nasi was concerned. To which Rava answers, Yehuda Nasi wasn't concerned. Just that when Avuah de Shmuel came and asked the Shaila, he did it out of respect in order to act as if this was a real question and that Avuah de Shmuel had a real concern. But really, halakhically, he didn't think it was necessary. So, Amar Rava, Mina Amin Allah. How do I know that we don't have to be concerned for this double identity? For another person being having the same name, because one time, and it's fascinating, right? We've seen this before that the Maisa Shahaya 
when you see the rabbis poskening this way, these case studies, right, um, are always going to be very authoritative. When you see what the rabbis did with the case studies, it's very authoritative. Uh, sometimes we have that in court also, right, in, in, in law, that the, case, the precedent in the case studies is, uh, shows you the interpretation of the law. So, there were two shtaros in Mechoza. Okay, it had the name of the person. Uh, there was a, a borrower and a lender. One was Chavi Bar Nanai, the other was Nanai Bar Chavi. And Rav Baravua, based on the documents, right, Chavai and Nanai, right, presented the documents, and Rav Baravua thought that that was authoritative enough to make this Dine Mamanus decision, and he wasn't concerned that there were other Chanais or uh, Nanais or Chavais, right? By the way, those were the most, the most common names in Mechoza. So why did he not think that Chavai Nane could have been referring to someone else's financial transaction? Seems like he was not so concerned when they bring it up to you and they show you and you see the principles in front of you and they have the same names and the names match the names on the star. We don't have to make sure that it's not referring to someone else uh, and it happened to have been found on the floor. So Abaye, however, says like this, of Abaye, what would be his reply? After all, it looks like we don't worry about the names. So Abaye says, He says, no, in that case, as we arrive at Kuftet Zayim Ralph, in that case where you find this Shtachov, like Chavai by Narnai, you're not concerned of identity theft because of the following. What would be the concern? Elon Fila, if you think it's literally like identity theft, right? That the star fell somewhere and this guy picked it up, right? That's very unlikely to happen because everybody gets um, identity theft protection. Meaning, if a guy knows that this star is worth a lot of money, he's typically more Zahir with that, right? With the loan document. And, and it's very unlikely that it's, he's going to lose it what the, in other words, he's saying the odds that he's going to lose it and somebody by the same name is going to find it are remote. Okay. Uh, what about if you're concerned for the possibility that this was a, a deposit? In other words, somebody with the same name as the lender said, this is a very important document, right? This document indicates that somebody owes me $100,000 and I'm going to give it to you to watch over me because I'm going on vacation. We, so what's the likelihood, says Abaye, that you're going to give it to somebody with the same exact name as you that could then just go and cash that check? It'd be like saying, you know, I didn't have a chance to go to the bank. Here's a million dollar check to my name. Are you going to give that to the person who has the same exact name as you? That would be ridiculous. It's literally what he's saying. They have the same name. Why would he give him the check uh, for a million dollars to Dafka, a guy that has the same exact name? He wouldn't do that. Me Amrit, right? Would somebody ever do that? No. Who does that? Dilma Masarlay, ah. And then the finally, maybe it's a question of no, that the lender already gave the document over to the person who has it. In other words, he Mahmush gave it to him in order for him to acquire the loan. Okay? So this is already the Rishonim really get a little bit more um uh, lumdish about this, but the point is like this that so let's say I, Mamish, did give you the check for you to have the check, but I didn't do a proper Kenyan, is how Rashi explains it. Says the Gemara, 
that wouldn't be a concern either because the document itself is really acquired through Messiah, which is another way of saying that the transfer is what's going to determine it, not the document. In other words, if somebody was there to witness the transaction, that would be more important than the document, such that the document itself is not what is is um, worth the money. In other words, it's not worth more than the paper it's written on. It's really the transaction that's going to be determining where the money is. So that, for example, if two people with the same name end up in some sort of um, legal dispute over this money, what they're going to have to bring is the adem to the witness the transaction. You're not going to be able to bring this receipt as the only proof. The receipt, if it were in question, would not be the only proof. So whether that transaction happened with adem or whether this was a picadon, or whether this was something that was just found on the street, it is very unlikely that this mistaken identity is going to end up having any halachic consequences. And therefore, Abaye is not concerned for that, even though he knows that mistaken identity um, right, could, could in fact happen. And that's the reason why that case in Mechoza uh, was allowed to go through financially. Not because we're not concerned that two people with the same name could be in the city, but simply because there is no scenario where such a star could be found and would have any financial implications. And so that's why we're not concerned. Okay. So now let's see another test case and see if Abaye and Rava agree. So don't forget, Rava is not concerned about multiplicity of people and Abaye is not. So therefore, one day, they found the in Surah. It says the following. The Surah Masa, in the city of Surah, Leaves and divorce, so-and-so, sprints of the wife. So sure enough, they checked. The rabbis went and they made sure that there wouldn't be another barchia. They didn't find another anan barchia. Um, however, that came from the hardah. In other words, when he was growing up in Naharda in his class, he was the only Anan Barchia. But they did, in fact, find in the, in the uh, yellow pages, or the white pages, as it were, another Anan Barchia that grew up somewhere else, right, in Chagra, and now he currently lives in Naharda. Uh-huh. And witnesses came and said, The day that this get was written, Anan Barchia Mechagra Gabon Hava. Sure, and so they had Adim, and the Adim were like Imanu Hayisim. They said Anan Barchia was with us in Naharda. And don't forget, the, sur, the get said, Hahu Gita Dishtakach Basura. Okay, so the get is found in Surah. It says that it has to do with Chia Barnan bin Naharda. And now we see that there was another Chia, right, um, from Naharda. So what's going on here? So Adim said, Anan Barchia from Chagra was with us that day. So this is not Anan Barchia from Chagra. So Amar Abai, Afli didi da'amina chayshinan, hachalo chayshinan. In other words, the get said surah, right? And, and there's evidence now from witnesses that Anan Barchia from Chagra was not in surah, but in Naharda, Right? Now, Abaye says uh, that I, he's usually concerned about multiplicity of people, and therefore, normally, if you had two people of the same name, you would have a concern that this get did not originate from the same Anan Barchia. But he says, even though normally I am concerned for multiplicity of personalities here, for, of people, 
Right here, I'm not concerned. Why? Because I have witnesses that say that an Anbarchia was a Narda, and sure enough, right, the get was in Surah, because that has to be written in the get. The location of the get has to be written in, uh, in the get. So therefore, over here, since we have evidence that one of these Hanan Barchias was in fact, Hanan Barchias rather, was in, right, um, in, in the Harda, we don't have to be concerned that the, that it's the same Anan Barchia that wrote the get in Surah. Narda and Surah are two different places. Even though they both have the name Anan Barchia, there must be that the one that was in Surah was the one that wrote the get, and therefore the get should be valid. In other words, even though there's two Anan Barchias, and normally that makes Abaye concerned, here he is not concerned because we already have evidence that the one of the two people with that same name was not where the get said would have been written. And therefore, the one that's written in the get is the true Anan Barchia from Surah, and therefore the get is valid. Okay? So in other words, since we know that one of the Anan Barchias was in Narda, could it possibly be that he was also in Surah? After all, Andrew, can't be in two places at the same time. That's why you were in Nigeria yesterday. Because you were somewhere else uh, traveling. Otherwise, you would have been here as well. And therefore, the get is valid even according to Abaye, even though we know there's somebody else of that name. However, Rava is going to now have to explain. Um, and Rava is going to say, so typically, Rava isn't even concerned if there's two Anan Barchias. He would say that the get's good anyway. So is that what he's going to say over here? Says Rava, No, even though normally I'm not concerned about multiplicity of names, Dafka here with the get, with those two Anan Bachiyas, he is concerned. Why? Because Dilma Begamla Parcha Azal. Maybe he has a Ferrari. A Gamla Parcha is literally, right, a flying camel. He managed to get there very quickly. Or Inami Bikfitsa, right, apparition. He apparated. Uh, some sort of, Meiri explains, um, Right? It could be, in other words, that he was in Surah on one part of the day and Naharda a different part of the day. Now he's concerned that maybe some a different Anan Barchia uh, wrote the get. So he says, Inami Mili Masar. Or maybe he gave the authorization beforehand for the get. In other words, the witnesses go with the sofer. So in other words, the Baal stays right behind in Naharda. So what happens is the procedure is like this. When you write, when you commission, when one, when you, when, when one commissions a get, they sit, let's say, in Baltimore. And they commission a get in Baltimore. And then the sofer goes with the witnesses. In other words, a person commissions a get with a sofer in front of witnesses. Right? Then the sofer and the witnesses can go and write the get in New York. And then deliver the get in New York. Okay? Because the witnesses have to be consistent, right? The witnesses have, to, this we'll see in Gittin, right? The witnesses have to witness the, the whole thing. But the Baal doesn't have to be present, right? It's the Shlichim. The Baal doesn't have to be present at the actual writing and delivery of the get. You just need to have witnesses to, to, to witness the Baal commissioning the get. So guess what? The witnesses com- saw the Baal commission the get in Baltimore. And then the witnesses accompanied the Sofer and into New York to where his house is. The sofer, when he writes the get, he doesn't write the location where the get was commissioned necessarily. He, could, he writes, I am now in New York and I am writing this get and on this and this and day, 
you know, Yankel Pippik Finkelheimer uh, decided that he wanted to divorce his wife, Sprinza. And so it is, in fact, possible that a person with the name of the same person who is in Baltimore actually looks like he's writing to get in New York, even though he's not. Okay, that's basically what's going on. In other words, it doesn't even have to be the same day. So, so when you're in Shile writing the get that you're going to sign there, Sovo Bishile. Right? So that's what we mean. Like, if it, when you're, you're in New York, write that I'm writing this get in New York. Afagav de Mimster and Mili Behini. Right? Shile and Hini are two different places. So even though the commissioning of this get was in Baltimore, if where you're writing the get is in New York, the halacha is you write, I am currently in New York writing this get. You don't like, you, you, you're honest about where you are when you're writing it, right? So it says, And conversely, if where you write the get is in Hini, in Baltimore, you write, I'm in Baltimore right now. Even though when the get was commissioned, it was in New York. So whichever direction it is, you, the sofa writes, I am currently coming to you live from New York, or I'm currently live from Baltimore, even though the husband has commissioned the get from, the, from a different city, you write it based on the city where you are, so it could have been a commissioned get, which... You jump right over flying camels and time travel. Yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, hot air balloons? Yeah, how do you... What is he talking about? Flying camels and time travel. Yeah, parcha... Yeah, no, well, Kfitza, you, you're, you're, you're interpreting as time travel. I like that. It's a good shot. Um, so like I said, the Meiri says it's a fast runner. Um, some people just know how to beat the traffic. This is the earliest ways. The one guy had ways. The first, divine, divine name is involved. Yeah. Um, this is before Harry Potter. So we, today we just apparate. You have to hold on to a port key and off you go. Yes. Okay. So fine. So this is the mistaken identity uh, sugya has to, can apply to a lot of different things. It can apply to Mamanos, can apply to Gitan. We'll see it again. Uh, but now, going back to the sesame seeds. So my the So what was the halacha we want to know? Right? Because there was a machlokas between Chis and Rava about <laughs> this is a crazy case, right? The guy left a certain amount of sesame, and then we said, What do you mean? I gave you back your sesame, and it looks like the same exact right, uh, barrel of sesame that he left. We have so what's Allah? Rabbi Yemar Malochashinan, Rabinamashinan, Machlokas. Whether we're concerned that the barrel had been uh, emptied and we, whether we believe the Shomer's claim that it's his sesame seeds. The Allah is in fact that we are uh, going to believe the Shomer when he says that he gave it back. Right? That's why when you trust somebody to watch your stuff, be careful because we're going to believe that guy. Okay, second wide line. Now we're really getting warm. We talked about the following case, Andrew. A woman is believed, chas v'sham, to say that, that her husband uh, died under normal circumstances, because guess what? She's the last person to want this to be true. And therefore, we are going to believe her. She loves the man, and she wants, to, she wants it to not be true. And therefore, if she's telling you that, that he's gone, she, you better believe she checked thoroughly, and therefore we're going to let her remarry. That's only if... Everything's peaceful. But in times of war, she's freaked out. We just think she's not in her right mind, and we dismiss her. There's another case where we dismiss her, when she hates his guts, Andrew. If she hates his guts, we're not concerned that she's lying, mind you. But what we are concerned is that she doesn't care enough to check 
well enough, whether he's alive. There's kind of like a wishful thinking element to it. And so when she tells you that he's dead, she, he may not be dead. And so the question is, how do you quantify that? In other words, how, no, how do you quantify the amount of shalom bias that she has? If they don't have shalom bias, so then we don't believe her. So what's the level of shalom bias? How do you, how do you, how do you judge someone else's shalom bias? So I've seen you and Laney. You guys have Blaine Hara, the best shalom bias I've ever seen in my life. But what would be considered bad shalom bias? So hechi dami ktato beina That's the question. How do you quantify such a thing? If she says to her husband, I would like a divorce. So that's a sign that she doesn't like him. So Gemar has an, crazy, an unbelievable objection. Are you kidding? All women say that at one point or another. <laughs> they don't really mean it necessarily. You know, she's angry. Isn't that unbelievable? This is, you don't, this is not Shevard Baruch Torah, by the way. Uh, and this makes all of us feel like we have the best marriages, right? No, so the Gemara uh, says, no. No, she tells him that he divorced her. Meaning, she's explaining what, what's going on. She's attempting a false divorce. She's actually saying that he already divorced her and starting like legal proceedings, okay? So the Gemara objects to that also. But wait, if she, we believe her that she's divorced, so then if that's the case, we should believe her. Because Rav Nuna said, Rav Nuna actually paskin that a woman who says that she was divorced, she's not menace. Remember, if she says that her husband died, she's not menace. So here's a funny conundrum. We're not supposed to believe her when she says her husband died if we know he ate his guts. But what if she said her husband divorced her? Uh-oh. So is she saying that because she hates him or is she saying that because it happened, right? In other words... If we assume she liked him and she's saying that, well, she would not have wanted to say that because typically a woman doesn't want to be divorced. So Rav Nuna says we believe her when she says that she's been divorced. Right? There's two reasons why Nuna said we believe a woman who said she's divorced. Number one, because most women would rather stay married, especially in those days. And number two, to say you're divorced, the husband's still alive. It's one thing to say that he's dead. He's not, he's not in town and he's not going to be coming after you. But to say that you're divorced in front of his face, that takes a lot of chutzpah, right? So most women would not do that. So the Gemara says no. What it means is, She says no. You divorced me in the presence of so-and-so. And then we asked those witnesses. In other words, she set, set up, she told the whole story. And then we went to verify it. Turns out, We asked all the people that she's quoting in that story. And they say, and they say, you know, he did this to me, he did that to me. They have a whole big trial, a celebrity trial. And she, and they say, all of this, you know, you're praying to yourself to be a victim. And all of that is completely not true. Oh. So my time is diktata. What is the reason that she's not believed uh, in a situation? Okay, so that's the first thing. So that's how we say, diktata means when she, in fact, says that, so in other words, now we know what the case of diktata was. <laughs> so again, if a woman says that she was divorced, we believed her. But if a woman says she was divorced under X, Y, and Z circumstances, then it turns out all the circumstances that she's saying were complete, made up. So that's the case when we know. Why did she say it? Because she doesn't like him. Oh. So now that's enough tata to not believe her when she says that he's dead. Now she's telling us another Baba Misa. So we don't believe her. Oh. But the question is, what's the reason that she's not believed 
Why do we think that she's making it up? Yeah, because she's a liar. Yeah, it's that fine line, Andrew, between lying and delusion. Like when a guy tells you, I'm going to take care of it, is he telling himself, I know I'm not going to take care of it. I'm just got to get Andrew off my back. So I'm going to lie to him. Usually not. Usually he thinks in his mind that he's going to take care of it. Only Andrew understands that that pile of to-do lists on his desk is never getting done. So he's delusional. So is this woman delusional or is she lying? Well, either way, that's a machlokas. But either way, he's not, the guy is totally alive. But, so she's either telling that to herself or telling it to us. But either way, we don't trust him. My benai will be enough coming between delusion and lying as we turn to Adaf. Yeah. In other words, let's say he's the one that instigated all the conflict. So, where she still wants, so in that case, she still wants to stay. So, if she still wants to stay, she wouldn't lie. But guess what, Andrew? Subconsciously, she hates him. In other words, if the husband really was abusive, then she might still consciously want to stay. But subconsciously, she might delude herself and be less um, uh, desirous of his continuing to live. Okay, so that's where the delusion meets right reality. She she thinks or or lying. So if in fact she started it, so she's just an abuser and a liar, and she's making it up. But if he started it, so she might be saying that he died and not realizing that that's really her deep down concern. But it, it, or a deep down wish and desire, but that's not really what happened. Okay. Furthermore, they wanted to ask the following case. Okay, so now the woman has negiz, right? She has a hidden agenda, maybe even a subconscious desire that we don't know. But an Eidechad has no dog in this fight, right? He, he's uh, objective. So do we believe in Eidechad in the situation where we know that these people have no shalom bias, right? So Andrew's next door neighbor for argument's sake, you hear the dishes breaking all day long and they're just fighting and yelling all day. And then she, ma- ma- magically, the ma- the, all the fighting dies down and she says, my husband's dead. <laughs> and nobody can find the body. So Andrew comes to testify that the husband's dead. Do we believe him? So my time, so, so it says like this. Well, what would be the reason that Yeah, Andrew would never come to Rabbi Rose and say the husband's dead unless he knew that it was true because he's going to look like um, a fool when the husband comes back to Shul, right? So Andrew would definitely double check to make sure that that guy was no longer alive and that's why we believe Andrew, right? So right? So in other words, here too, he's not going to lie. Andrew, because Andrew is not delusional. He's talking in reality. In other words, whereas with a woman, she also should have the concern that the husband's going to come back and she's going to look like a fool. Yeah, but she's already deluded herself because she's in the midst of the fight. And so she doesn't have a clarity of thought. But Andrew is not in that fight. And therefore, he has the clarity of thought to be more concerned with the husband coming back and him looking like a fool than he is with wishing him to be dead. Okay, that's... Uh, reason why an Eidachad should be Naaman, whereas a wife is not. But that's only if the reason why Eidachad is Mehaman is because he doesn't want to look foolish when the husband comes back. 
the other possibility that we said that an Eid Echad is believed is Mishum Dehu Dehidaiko Mitzvah is because, right, we said, what's this belief stemming from? The fact that the Eid Echad doesn't want to look like a fool and therefore is going to ver- verify or because the woman wants to stay married and therefore she's going to verify? Well, that's the Nafkamina. If they're in a fight, so then if the reason is because Andrew's going to verify, so then we're going to believe him. But if the reason is because we're relying on her to verify, well, guess what? She's not looking too hard for this guy, right? She's looking as hard for this husband as OJ is looking for the real killer, right? She's um, willing, she, and because, so once we're relying on her, here, since they're in a fight, she's not going to go and check that hard. And therefore, Andrew's report that he died, he's going to report that, and we normally would believe him just because we think the wife would want it would want to check and do her due diligence. In this case, she's not going to do her due diligence. Therefore, we're not going to believe Andrew. As an aid, he's going to have to bring another aid. I'll come with you any day, Andrew. Seven lines down, the two dots. Now let's talk the last piece of the mission. The mission is fascinating in the last piece. Rabbi Huda had a shita in the last piece that in order for us to believe a woman that her husband died, she's got to look the part. She has to look um, distraught, distraught. If she looks a little too cheerful about it, we're not going to, or calm about it, we're not going to believe her. It's a fascinating machlokas. The Chachamim disagreed with this. So now let's see this machlokas in greater detail. Tanya, we have a bright side. I'm going to lay the Rabbi Huda. According to you, Rabbi Huda, they said, Okay, you're going to have, we shown him go at this about whether this is in literal terms because a shota, is that literally a shota or is it just means a person, a woman who knows how to emote and is really like alert uh, where we could read her emotions. But the bottom line is like this. They say to Rabbi Huda, you know, there's all different kinds of people out there, Andrew. And some people are going to emote and they're going to show right, um, emotional intelligence and they're going to be appropriate emotionally and therefore distraught at this obvious tragedy, right? But then some people are not. So what are you going to say? The people that look kind of dull uh, in the face of tragedy aren't allowed to get remarried because we don't believe them because they don't look like they're grieving enough? That's what Rabbi Huda is trying to say? That seems to not make any sense. Says the Gemara, No, it has to be, right? So the Chachamim said to him, no, I don't, that, that's the machlokas. That the Chachamim was saying to Yudah, you sound like you're going to let a woman remarry based on whether she's being emotionally appropriate. But we believe that there's all different kinds of people, and even people who are not the most emotionally appropriate can uh, survive tragedy, and therefore we're not going to uh, believe her based on how she seems, right? Okay. So let's see this test case of, the, of that machlokas as follows. Okay, so Rabbi Huda himself was the dying in the, in the city. Mind you, remember, Rabbi Huda is looking to see what is the emotional state of this woman. So Amri Lay, Amri La, the rabbis, some rabbis were there, and they said to her, they whispered in her ear, listen, you know what? You should cry a little bit more. I'd like to see your garments a little more disheveled, and maybe you must fuss up your hair. Um, you got to look the part here of the grieving woman, or else she's not going to let you remarry. Uh, okay. The Gemara asks, Alpur Shikra, are you kidding? What are they coaching her? Like wearing the neck brace <laughs> in, the, in the courtroom? Uh, at, you know, the ambulance chaser telling the guy to wear the neck brace in order to get the settlement? Are you kidding me? So the Gemara, no, well, Inu Karabon and Well, they hold that she doesn't need to wear the neck brace. They hold that her emotional state is irrelevant. They're just trying to get her 
They're just trying to impose that on Rabbi Yehuda. They're trying to kosher through how to get, get this uh, ruling through in Rabbi Yehuda's court, because that's, after all, where they were sitting, right? So they all, like, they don't need it. They just say, behave like this in order so that he will, you know, let you off. Because uh, they let you remarry. Fine. So now we arrive at the Mishnah on Kuftet Zayinam Beis. Now we're talking about um, when they come overseas, right? We say that a woman is believed, and, and then when they come back from overseas, she's believed uh, to say that he's died and she's allowed to remarry. But the truth of the matter is that once upon a time, that which we now all agree is true was a machlokus bin Beit and Basila. We've said this already before. I learned this from Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafiomi Master Shlita, who said the reason why we pass like Basila, I never realized this, is that almost always you'll see the Beit appears first and then Basila appears after, I think he said. And he said, any argument where you reason, this sounds like Andrew Singer on Kosher Money podcast, when you listen to someone else's argument, now you're, and you really listen, now your argument is going to be a more cogent argument because you've included the other person's argument into your reasoning. Well, here we have an unusual case where Basil speaks first, then he hears Bechamay's argument, and he's a good listener. He listened to Andrew's podcast, and he understood, as a good listener Basil did, and he changed their mind. Look at this. That's how we arrived at this idea that we believe the woman, as follows. Basil Omrim, so initially they said, Medina. This is similar to a case we learned in Masechah Shabbos, where, as we'll see, where the uh, Efer Paraduma was Matame. There was a kazais of a mace on a boat, and they were crossing the Jordan River, and the Efer Paraduma became Matame. You may have remember that when we were talking about the reeds on Shabbos. Okay. So then we said, well, they made a gazera. You're not allowed to carry the Efer Paraduma on a boat across the Jordan River. So, so the, question, the, the question is, why the Afghan boat? Why the Afghan the Jordan River? So similarly here, the original case, and the Gemara is all going to be backwards and arrive us, but the original case was when the woman came from the fields and said that her husband died in the same town. And so that made Basil believe that the only time we believe the woman is when she's coming from the fields and from the same town, just like in the original case, the original test case. But if she's coming from Bora Bora, and then we don't believe her. We have no way of checking. And that's a case where we don't believe her. That was, again, now we believe, according to our mission, that we always believe her. But in those original cases, we thought it had to be like the original case. That was basically original shita. Because that was, in fact, the Maisa Shahaya. Bechamai said, no. Does it really matter whether it's a grain harvest or an olive harvest? Or a grape harvest? Or does it really matter where she's coming from Peru or Prague or from, this, or from Minnesota? What's the difference? When they said the halacha with respect to the woman coming from the Katsir, that was the hove, meaning that was the Maisa Shehoi. In other words, that happened to have been the case. But the philosophy and the reasoning and the logic behind the Psak is the same irregardless or irrespective of where the actual cases came from. That's what Bechamai responded to Basil, to which we see amazingly, Basil heard the shot and they said, okay, you're right, we paskin like you. So you see a little insight as to why we always paskin like Basil. They always hear the other side very, very well. I'm sure Bechamai also hears the other side, but that's what I heard from Murray Leibowitz. Okay. Gemar says, Tanya, Amr lahem, Bechamai lebeisil ledivrechem. Now we have the Gemara fleshing out the conversation a little bit more. Bechamai said to Basil, according to you, 
says, like, how far are you going to get granular with this? That if, the, if everything was the same, like this first case, she came back and it was in the same city, in the same town, and it was the harvest of grain. But instead of wheat grain, it was barley grain. So you're going to say, we don't believe her because it was barley instead of wheat grain? Like, why should that matter? Right? And it has to be harvest. It can't be that she's testifying while she's picking the grapes or the olives or the dates or the figs. That was the Maisa Shahaya. And it's also true for everything else. And that should be true not only of the type of harvest that it is and the type of produce that we're talking about, but also the location that we're talking about. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Those are two different things, Andrew. I can understand why, that, why it shouldn't matter whether you're picking grapes or picking olives. I get that. But you know what? If you're coming from Bora Bora or you're coming from Silver Spring, those are two different things. One I can verify, one I may never be able to verify. Right? Uves Hillel, Bosa Medina, the Shrike Inche Mirtas. Wait a minute. Are you sure? Is that what Beis Hillel is going to agree to? In other words, I understand they're going to agree to different produce. But Bosa Medina, the Shrike Inche, right, should be different than a different Medina. Because after all, a woman from Baltimore is going to testify about something that happened in Baltimore. It's going to be on Baltimore life that week, right? And therefore, Mirtas, she's going to be afraid to lie because they're going to say, we saw the guy in Seven Mile Market. We don't know what you're talking about, right? But if she, said, but if she knows that, you know, if, if she comes in from far away or in Polynesia where nobody even knows where that is or how to get there, so of course she's going to be less afraid to lie, right? So in Bozo Medina, where people are talking, Mirtas, she'll be afraid. So there is a logical argument for Basil to say that it should that we only believe her if she's coming from the same place. Uh, so yeah, but we're talking about travelers. There's always travelers. So even though it's true, it's less likely that she's going to found, find out. There's always people coming to Baltimore for one reason or another, and therefore she would be even be afraid, and that's the reason of Beit Shammai, even if she's coming from Medina Sanyam. So now we're from the second wide line. And we're going to finally discuss what was the original story where we believe the woman is follows. My Shahaya, what was the story? Ah, the old days, the end of the wheat harvest. Ten people go out to harvest the wheat. Sure enough, a snake bit one of them was killed. The wife came and told the Vesdin what the story, what happened. So they said, okay, let's go find out. Was that true? And they, they found out. And sure enough, they found it to be true. So, right? And so, once they realized that the woman was telling the truth, they said, you know what? Going forward, we're not, we don't think we need to even check this. Because obviously, if she's coming and telling us that her husband died, she should be eligible for, to re- be remarried. Or even to do Yibam if that happened to have been the case, if he died childless. Because after all, a woman wants to stay married, or she's going to check, and therefore she's going to do her due diligence. So going forward, Rav Heinemann uh, Shlita said that, you know what, going forward, we're just going to believe her. We're not going to have to go on this road trip to do an investigation. Because she has, we have every reason, she has every reason to, only, to do her own due diligence, and therefore we believe her going forward. That was the original case. Okay. So says the Gemara. Now we're going to go back and say, is this machlokes 
Beicham Beishel. Again, now we don't have machlokas. Beishel actually agreed with Beishamai that we believe, we listen to the woman. But is that original machlokas tied into the machlokas that we saw in Masechah Shabbos about the Afer Paraduma as follows? Name a Rabbi Chanina by Akiva Rabbanon and plug the Beicham Beishel. Look Maybe this machlokas that we saw about the Afer Paraduma between Rabbi Chanina ben Akiva and the Rabbanon is like the original machlokas that Beicham and Beishel had before they sorted it out. The Tanya, because remember the Brayso, lo yisod on mechatas vei chatas. You're not allowed to carry. Again, they carried it. Remember in these vials, like in these test tubes. Once you get the afer paraduma, that's a rare thing, Matt. You don't, you want to keep it protected. You can't let it become tame. So one time it became tame when they were crossing in a boat on the Jordan River. Okay, so they made a they made a takana. Lo yisod on mechatas vei chatas v'yavrem biyarden v'sfina. You can no longer cross the Jordan River in a boat. With the mechatas, with the efer paraduma, below yamod betzad zevi yisrok letzad acher. Oh, but wait a minute. The original, the right, the rabbanon, the Tanakama said in that brisa that not only can't you go on a boat on the yarden, but you can't, you also can't throw it from one side of the yard into the other. Below yeshitem apneimaim. Also, not just a boat, but a float. Below or like a raft. Now we're talking not just about. A boat, but a terrestrial transportation. We need to have your feet on, t- on solid ground. You can only walk it on terra firma because that's the only thing that we can, t- we can rely on. Okay. Yeah, but a bridge is fine. You can walk over a bridge. So that's the Tanakama. Ruchanina ben Kavya said, No, Omer Loam will a yardin of Esfina. No, the case was Yarden and Svina, and therefore the, the Gezeiro is only on the Yarden and Svina. In other words, if you, you can go through the, over the Mississippi River, the Amazon, it's fine. The only case where we have a Gezeiro is the Yarden, because that's when it happened. It's like T- TSA. The only thing they care about is ounces of liquid and shoes, because that's the only way, because one time the terrorists did ounces of liquid and shoes. They can't imagine of another scenario where, where you're going to actually do it. So therefore you do it just like Maisa Shahaya. So maybe Rabbanan, who had a more expansive view, were like Bechamai, who said that any case, right, where the wife is coming, it doesn't matter which state, uh, state she's coming from or what they were harvesting, we believe her. Maybe Rabbanan Benikavya was like espousing the original sheet of Bechamai before he agreed with Bechamai that no, you only make the Gezerah based on the very original specific case. So the Gemara says no. That maybe the two are not linked. Because Amalach Rabbanan, Anan, Damin, and Afke Beisilal, we might agree, right, even like Beisilal. Yeah, because Beisilal had a svara. He said that if she's coming from somewhere else, then if she's coming from Baltimore, she's going to be afraid. And so there's a logic behind him saying a different place is an area where we're not going to believe her because she's going to be not afraid to lie. Right? So, Bimakom, Rachok, Right, she's not going to be afraid. she's not going to be afraid to lie. But Malcolm Carve Mirtas, Malcolm Mirtas. Once you say a rationale, so that rationale applies to far away and not to close up. Close up, she will be afraid to lie. But what's this idea of? Oh, it has to be Dafka the Yarden River. Like, what does the river have to do with whether it happened? That was incidental. And conversely, Rabbi Bechamai, in that case, would said that we could check her testimony. And guess what? She's going to check carefully and do her due diligence whether she's coming from Bora Bora or from Baltimore. 
right? So hacha mishum ma'isa shahaya. But here, right, the, where where it happened, biyard of misfina dava ma'isa gazer So he's going to say the opposite that it doesn't matter where she's coming from. Biyard of misfina that was the original structure of the gazera. And b'sharanaris the law of ma'isa law gazer This gazera didn't need to be happen altogether. They made the gazera and therefore they patterned it most closely based on that the uh, based on what actually happened. So now finally we say, my Maisa Shahaya, what actually was the Maisa Shahaya with the Chatas water? So it spells it out. He had the powder, he had the liquid, he was going in a boat over the Yardain, there was a, actually a Tuma, Kazayas of a Mace, which is the minimum shear of Mace underneath, and it Tame the whole thing, and for that's where they made the Gezera, we leave you off, in the Mishnah, three lines up from the bottom of Kotev Zayin, Ahmed Beis. Have a good Shabbos. And enjoy the rest of Yavamas. We will resume with Masechas Ksubas Friday morning. Everybody here is expected to be here 5.35 a.m.